listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Mutual love. Let mutual love continue. That's how the author of Hebrews starts our text. And this idea, I think, is, is part of this whole series about the common good. That we don't exist simply by ourselves, nor can we exist simply for ourselves. Like, it, the world doesn't actually work that way. We had thought at one time, maybe we were kind of detached from one another, and science was even moving us in that direction. Everything was so kind of atomized. But we've learned more that things are interconnected. Um, Heisenberg, Heisenberg, not Heisenberg. (laughs) Wrong, wrong H. Uh, Help me out. The uncertainty principle? It's all right, we're not scientists. (laughs) Right? But an electron that's moving in one direction, its, its pair will, will change, moves in the opposite direction, and will change when, it, when the other one does. We, we are interconnected. Our lives are together. And what Hebrews is talking about here, we'll have to remember kind of what we said last week in the shape of fire, that when we're following a living God, it means we have to be prepared to move. We have to be prepared to change. Like, if we were in the position, if, if we held the position today that a lot of us are tempted to hold, and we were part of the ancient world, we would have never actually followed Christ. Because there was, there was the law. There was tradition. There were things that the people of God did. They did circumcision. They did sacrifices. They kept the festivals. They knew what they could eat. They knew what they couldn't eat. They knew who they could eat with. They knew who they couldn't eat with. And if they just stuck to what they had been taught, they would have never accepted the way of Christ. Like, Jesus offers us a better way. And it is the way of mutual love. And as the author of Hebrews is kind of telling those who have ears to hear that there is a new way. No sacrifice remains Now it's a matter of faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And there's this kind of long list of examples there in chapter 11 of folks who have been faithful to show us what that can be like. And then 12 opens telling us that there's this great cloud of witnesses who are encouraging us to be that way. We're we're mentored by... Our mothers and fathers, our aunts and uncles were mentored by other people in our lives, perhaps even a pastor, God forbid. But we find ourselves now seeking after this way, this way of of mutual love. I mean, it's in the creeds, um, that, that last stanza of the creed is, I believe in the Holy Spirit in the Holy Catholic Church, meaning the, Catholic, the, the Church Universal, in the communion of saints, ding, 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 
right? And the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. But that communion of saints, the fact we sang about it earlier, that we, we have this communion. Our communion is not just with God. Our communion is with one another. Uh, I've quoted her a lot lately, but Barbara Brown Taylor says, you'll never see the image of God in the other until you actually see the face of the other. I want you to think about that. Like we, we speak in abstraction a lot in Christian circles, right? About God the creator and, you know, the image of God. These are big philosophical ideas. But you will never actually see the image of God in the other until you see the actual face of the other. You have to appreciate the person that's in front of you, not just the idea of it, right? We joke about um, uh, beauty pageant contestants, you know, what would you like, Miss Florida? I want world peace, you know? You hear that idea? Yeah, world peace. He's like the wave. Except we can't simply advocate for world peace if we don't have peace in our own lives. If we are people of violence. If we are people of aggression. It's not going to happen out there until it first happens in here and in here. And so our little lesson of the circle which we all experienced, and maybe some of us experienced more than we wanted to. Uh, the uh, tickle technique I thought was particularly effective, <laughs> the way Blake started out. But, but we all have a lesson to learn from, from the circle game, that we don't have to box folks out, that we can, we can be, we are better together. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, kind of a famous pastor and theologian, he's most famous for a book that he wrote called The Cost of Discipleship, which is a kind of a lengthy reflection on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But for me, my favorite Bonhoeffer is actually a smaller book called Life Together. Life Together. It requires us to be committed Again, not just to God, but committed to one another. And we see this in all the different kind of um, types of communities that we can be a part of. And so, again, the author of Hebrews here starts off with this concept of mutual love and then gives us a variety of things that mutual love might look like. Like if you're just reading along and you just kind of plop down here in Romans 13, it might sound a bit disjunctive. It's like this author is all over the map. They're just talking about this, that, and the other. But I think what's happening actually is a very intentional, hey, don't forget mutual love. And here are a lot of examples of what mutual love looks like. Just in case you don't know what it means, this is what it means. And the first thing he says is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality is a virtue. Hospitality is a core value of what it means to be like Christ. Like to be hospitable, to care for the other. And as, as hospital, hospice, hospital, hospitable, hospitality, as you can tell from those, all those roots, caring for the other often means caring for the one in need which, of course, is what happens at a hospital or in a hospice, right? It's the one who's otherwise on the outside. Now, uh, no disrespect, of course, to the folks who formed our circle. In fact, I think Aaron 
again, almost messed up my, my game by saying, you know, uh, can we move? Like, is it possible for us just to, to let in the outsider? Not, you know, have the outsider have to force their way in. So being hospitable, and we try to do that in a lot of ways. We, we have a hospitality team here at the church, right? You're welcomed when you come in. If, if you want to, to uh, get involved some way at the church, a great way to be involved is to volunteer on the hospitality team, to be a greeter, just to offer people a friendly face, a smile, a welcome. It's, it's, it's not that difficult, and it's something that we can all participate in in our lives in a variety of ways. It moves from general hospitality, like the stranger, to more specifically the prisoner, right? Um, remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison. Man, it sounds a lot like Matthew 25, doesn't it? Which I can't, seems like I can work Matthew 25 into any sermon. But, you know, to the thirsty, I gave something to drink. To the hungry, I gave something to eat. To the stranger, I welcomed them in. We mentioned strangers here. To the sick, um, we cared for them. Uh, for the prisoner, we went to visit them. You know, in our culture, prisoners, folks who are incarcerated, are often out of sight and out of mind. We, we don't think of them. But there are a couple of folks here at Oasis that are actually at the jail pretty much every Sunday. Every Sunday they're at the jail. Uh, Ted Smith's going there all the time. Cindy Peaster's going there all the time. And I think they're actually embodying what it's like to be like Christ. Now, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Um, it's a mystery. Uh, one of the early church fathers argued for like pages and pages and pages and pages that he thought Luke wrote it. But then at the very end said, but God only knows. No one ever cites his argument for Luke. <laughs> Everybody always cites just, well, God, only God knows who wrote this. But this might be a little telling because he says to those being tortured, um, Remember those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. And then he moves straight from torture to marriage. <laughs> Am I the only one that noticed that? Um, I think, I think uh, some have suggested that Priscilla wrote this. Um, and I don't know what Aquila was like. That was her husband. And I don't know why they moved straight from torture to marriage. I thought that was going to get a bigger laugh than it did. I hope I don't have to pay for this later. But we move from strangers to prisoners to folks who are tortured to, to what's it like to be in a marriage. And in the marriage, it just says, like, be kind, be faithful. Like, it seems to me like that's almost, uh, um, like, why, why does that even have to be said? Like, wouldn't we naturally just kind of get there? Like, how broken does our world have to be before we have to be encouraged to be kind and hospitable and faithful, even in our kind of marriage relationships? But even there, the world is sick. It needs care. The world is broken. It needs fixing. And the message from Hebrews is that we can be a part of that fix. I mean, we are part of the problem because we too are sick and we too are broken. But, but God can make us well. And then God can use us to help make other people well. 
And I think that happens when we engage in mutual love. And I think mutual love, again, looks just like this, being hospitable to the stranger, right, visiting the prisoner, um, caring, you know, being faithful in our marriage, uh, in our uh, closest relationships. And then it goes on. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Man, if there's ever a thing that our lives can get wrapped up in, it is kind of the pursuit of financial resources. And that somehow how that um, works and how that gets measured, we, it's difficult in our culture to ever be content with where we are, right? To, to live with some margin so that we, we don't kind of max out all of our kind of capacity. If we live with margin, financial margin, not only is it more um, comfortable because we're not you know, just living kind of day to day or week to week, but if we can get to where we kind of live with margin, what that does is it provides an opportunity for us to be hospitable, to experience that sense of mutual love, right? We have a certain amount of discretionary funds that haven't already been promised elsewhere. And that's just a, it's a very comfortable place to live. And I realize not everybody can get there and that sometimes the system is kind of stacked against us. But it should be kind of a goal. And one way we can get there eventually is to be content where we are and not feel like we have to run out and get the next thing in order that somehow that's going to um, fill the hole in our lives or that's going to uh, provide us with the joy or the happiness that we're seeking for. And it's at this point in this little litany of things about what mutual love looks like that the story becomes most sobering for me. It says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? And he says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Uh, consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. You know, I, I take my role here uh, very seriously. Sometimes I come in this room and I pray. I walk around and I'm kind of praying for the seats, <laughs> thinking that somebody's going to sit in these seats and that they might need God's care in their life. And then I think of you all, right? I see your faces and I think of you and I kind of call you by name in prayer. And my life is... I don't know. For the most part, I think it's pretty good. I think from the outside looking in, it might look really good. But it's, it's, not, it's not without a certain amount of weight and responsibility that I'm trying my best to live a life that if you were to imitate it, it would be good for you. Paul will say to the church in Corinth, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I always thought, man, that Paul, that is gutsy. Why would you say that to somebody? Why not just say, imitate Christ? Isn't that easier? Isn't that better? But back to that kind of general thing, you know, you never actually see Christ. We talk about Christ a lot, but none of you have ever seen him. But you can see 
Christ in others. And hopefully, in particular, you might see Christ in those who teach the Word of God to you. And um, if you've seen me and you thought, man, he's really doing it wrong, uh, I apologize. Forgive me. But I don't think the text actually suggests that we stop there. I, I think to whom much is given, much is required. But I, I think it does invite us into a way of living. Mutual love kind of goes both directions, right? Hospitality and care is kind of going in different ways. The caring for the prisoner to being faithful in our marriages, trusting in God, being content with what we have, not looking to always take care of ourselves, but, but relying on someone else. Man, for some of you, we're going to have to lay hands on you and pray a long time before you, think, before you feel comfortable actually relying on someone else. But I think that's at the very heart of what mutual love is all about. And it doesn't take much to happen in our lives to realize just how fragile our lives really are. Things happen to us. Things happen to a family member or a child. Like, life is kind of on the edge and we can learn, we can, we can learn to be faithful, to, to practice mutual love, to draw circles that are including of others instead of circles that are excluding of others. That we can be happy when someone else succeeds. That we don't, we don't feel like we're just in a, in a competition with everyone all the time. Like, I like to play games, and when we play games, I like to win. That's part of what I'm playing the game for. Blake won that game, I'm pretty sure. He got inside the circle. But when it comes to life, I'm not trying to beat someone else. I want them to succeed. In fact, if when they succeed, I almost said if they succeed, when they succeed, it's something that I too can celebrate in. I can get excited about. And if I, if I find myself not being excited about their success, that, that's a cause for pause. That's a reason for me to check me. Because if I'm not excited about the fact that they're doing well, the problem is not them, but me. I need to practice mutual love. So this is how this text ends. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good. I know Hebrews was, the author of Hebrews was writing this to Hebrews. I'm now reading this to you all. I'm rereading it because Ashley read it to us. But the, I, I want you to hear me. I'm saying this to you, Oasians. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you 
and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.